turn that on. Hi. Remember me? It's been a minute, hasn't it, huh? Been busy, traveling, putting on things like human stories. We got one more. Um, hopefully you'll come to this next one. It'll be very interesting to have some people of color talking what it was like to be incarcerated in the judicial system here. Um, it's eye-opening and very interesting in a very intimate setting at Otis Coffee. So register for that. Today is a day that we call Thankful Sunday. Um, and we've been doing this for years. A Sunday morning when we love to share heartfelt stories of thankfulness. Uh, for many of you here in this room, we were hoping that we'd have some people send in some videos who are still streaming, but that didn't happen. First uh, Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Messiah Jesus. And for those of you who are always wanting some clarity, and there's a lot of us that want clarity around what God's will is for our lives, it just doesn't get any clearer than this. God's will for our lives is to be thankful in all circumstances, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know? And before we begin sharing stories of thankfulness today, I'd like to share about what this passage really means, because sometimes Bible teachers don't teach this correctly, and they put an unreasonable pressure on people to be thankful in ways that I believe are not God's intention with this passage. And because of this unreasonable pressure, believe it or not, there are some people who would avoid a service like today. Or they wouldn't come on maybe a Mother's Day because they've had such a bad time maybe with their mom or they lost a child or something like that. There are people that just avoid coming to services like this. And in this particular case, it's because they feel guilty or angry or resentful for something going on in their lives, and they're not feeling very thankful for it. And coming and being reminded about how other people are thankful just makes it worse for them. So let's, let's just be biblically truthful today. This passage clearly says, be thankful in all circumstances. Well, actually, the word circumstances isn't in the text. It's really just be thankful for everything. So if you love the word of God like I love the word of God, and I love the word of God, it has been a lamp in my life for, what, now almost 40 years. There's no room not to be thankful in all circumstances. But there is room to talk about what exactly should we be thankful for especially during the more challenging circumstances in life. And first of all, I'd like to point out that this passage doesn't say to be thankful for all circumstances. It says be thankful in or during all circumstances. And there's a big difference between these two prepositions, the word for or the word in. About 20 years ago, Andrew won a free trip to Hawaii on a radio contest. I desperately searched for the audio because I recorded her. And it was, it was, it's classic Andrea. Oh, I'm so thankful. Oh, my God. And she's crying. And, 
you know, and the guy, the radio announcer, was just prodding her on the whole time. I couldn't find it, darn it. But um, she won a free trip to Hawaii on one of the radio stations that was doing kind of a, a, a contest. And being thankful for something like that is a no-brainer, right? Especially only a few months later, we're both sitting on a beach in Maui sipping pina coladas and thanking God for his goodness. It's easy to be thankful for those kinds of blessings, isn't it? Uh, but about 15 years ago, when our 16-year-old daughter experienced an extremely serious medical condition, medical condition that lasted over a decade, it was virtually impossible for us to be thankful for that situation. It shattered our world like nothing else up until that point. And the challenge it presented us at the time took our faith at times and our joy at times and our resolve at times up to the very edge of total despair and hopelessness. But I can honestly say that during this horrible season of life, Andrew and I found many ways to be thankful in those circumstances. We were thankful that we had 16 incredibly joyful years with Lisa. She is just a darling. And we're thankful that there was treatment available to help minimize her symptoms. And we're thankful that we were able to cover all of her hospital costs. And we were thankful that Lisa is today is a healthy, vibrant, beautiful soul who works as a therapist helping others overcome their life struggles. Andrea and I found ways to be thankful in those circumstances, but I can tell you we were never thankful for those circumstances. No parent is ever thankful that their child has to suffer. Last December, my mom died of COVID. The facility she was living in, this little retirement facility, had an outbreak. She was 94 years old, and I believe she was on track to live many more healthy years. Her sister had died just a couple years earlier at the age of 102. I'm hoping I have some of those genes. <laughs> and I'm thankful that my mom got, am I thankful that my mom got COVID and died? No. <laughs> Thank you. Who said that? Raise your hand. Thank you. Bless you. It's been almost a year now, and there's rarely a day. I mean, my dad died nine years ago, and I've shared this before. I talked to my mom after my dad died. I called my mom every day, sometimes twice a day. And there's not a day that doesn't go by now that I don't think about calling her, especially when something... It's going on in my life. And it's just there for a moment. And then I remember, oh yeah, she's not on this planet anymore. And it makes me instantly sad, just like it's making me sad right now. But I'm extremely thankful that I had such a great mom. And then we had so many great times together, especially later in her life after my dad died. Andrew and I would, would spend a year at the beach in Carlsbad with her every year, year after year until the COVID lockdowns. I'm especially thankful for God allowing me to be with my mom every day for the last three weeks of her life. Every day 
for three weeks. And I'm thankful I was able to be holding her hand when she took her last breath. What a special, sacred gift. Brian mentioned a couple of weeks ago that we're diving into the Afghan refugee situation. It is estimated that 200 to 400 Afghan refugees are going to be processed and living in Colorado. That's a lot. And a lot of them have stories. I'll just tell you one. The Ramin Rahim family. They were in the news. Maybe you, maybe you heard about it. They're living in Broomfield now. They have a house, which is an incredible feat in its own, just to find a house. This family was in Kabul when the bomb blast went off. And the father was killed instantly. And there was multiple, they were all related, but there were three families together, and three cousins died in the blast. And almost all the other family members have shrapnel wounds, some of them critical, that need constant care. That's just one of many stories. And we're going to make sure that that family gets taken to their doctor's appointments and has the kind of care and compassion that that family deserves for what they've been through. Sometimes people lose an entire family in a car accident. We, we've had a situation like that in Cornerstone in our early years. Are we to believe that God wants this, the Rahim family to be thankful that they lost their dad in the bomb blast? Are we to believe that God wants the survivors of the car crash to be thankful for their family's deaths? Absolutely not. But no matter what our circumstances may be, there's always ways to be thankful in our circumstances. By the way, I totally forgot. You're going to be getting an email in the mail this week about helping with the Afghan refugees. But you can, you can get started right now. Up on the screen behind me is a text number that you can text the word refugee, singular, refugee, and that will automatically put you in our database and we will contact you uh, within a week or two. Uh, we need people that can drive people to doctor's appointments, fill out forms, go shopping for food, bonus points if you speak Dari or Pashto, huh? Or Farsi, maybe Farsi. Those are all Persian languages, so um, yeah. Go ahead and text that number, refugee. It's not, we're not supposed to be thankful when we lose things. But no matter what our circumstances may be, there's always a way to be thankful in our circumstances. And God's will for us is to focus on those thankful things. That's why we, we take the time today to do this. Listening to other people's stories helps those of us who are not yet thankful for the situations we're in move towards thankfulness as we hear how you navigate those things, the blessings and the challenges. 
But why? Why is being thankful in all circumstances so important to God? I like, is he an egomaniac who needs to feed his ego with unquestioning thankfulness? Thank you, God. Well, if that were true, God would never have called King David a man after his own heart, since King David often let God know of his extreme displeasure during many of the challenges that he faced in his life, often in very unfiltered rants toward God. The Psalms clearly reinforce the difference between being thankful for or being thankful in all circumstances. And God doesn't make this requirement to benefit himself. This is the important part. He makes this requirement to benefit us. Do you know what the opposite of thankful or ungrateful is? Or gratefulness is? I said it, didn't I? Spoiler alert. Okay. Well, ungrateful is the word that we often use, but I, don't th- I, th- I think that word falls short of describing the gravity of what happens when we're not finding ways to be thankful in our circumstances. I would say the opposite of grateful requires more descriptive words like bitterness, negativity, cynicism, resentfulness, gloominess, being angry, unhappy, depressed, lethargic, dispassionate, and detached. And collective descriptive words like these help us understand the damage that takes place deep within our soul when we cannot find ways to be thankful in certain circumstances. And sadly, that's how many people have become today because they've not been able to find ways to be thankful in the circumstances of 20 long months now of limitations and losses due to COVID-19. Or in the divisive, polarizing circumstances in our current political climate or in the devastating circumstances of climate change taking place on our planet. Finding ways to be thankful in all circumstances is God's formula for helping us nurture our mental, emotional, and spiritual and physical health, our well-being. Thankfulness protects us from drowning in the stew of despair and negativity and cynicism that can easily overtake us during times of extreme challenges. And we all go through them in our life. And by sharing these stories of thanksgiving with each other, on a day like today, we fulfill the passage that says that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn by hearing heartfelt, thankful stories about winning free trips, dealing with serious health problems, and even experience the death of a loved one. So as you continue to think about that, I want to share a story on a video of a family here, John, Jonathan and Natalie McGookin, who um, have been doing some foster care, and they have shared their story, their joys, and their struggles uh, to get to where they're at today. So I'm going to have that story play. Please be thinking about something you want to share. Otherwise, it's going to be a really short service, okay? So I'm counting on you. Let's roll the clip. So in 2019, um, we decided to become foster parents, which was something that we never planned on, ever. 
many times in our lives as we thought about expanding our family, we did not want to be foster parents because with fostering, it's not a straight line. And at any moment, any child in your home um, could go back to their biological family. And we wanted to adopt. That was the end goal, was to be able to adopt. So we never saw ourselves being foster parents uh, because I was very fearful and I didn't know if I would be able to handle that uh, amount of loss. So the funny thing about life is as soon as you say you'll never do something, uh, God tends to, in his own way, intervene and uh, chart out a path for, for doing exact that, that exact thing. So um, I remember saying to myself, I'll, you know, we'll adopt, but we'll never, we'll never do foster to adopt uh, because of the tension and the emotional turmoil that comes with that. Um, and sure enough, uh, God made it very clear to us really at the exact same time, on the exact same morning, uh, that that's, that's the journey that he had before us. After we got approved, uh, after several months of actually waiting uh, for our first placement, um, Savannah came to live with us. She was almost three, which was you know, a shock to get back in that world. And she was confused, but she was also full of light and life and joy and silliness and smart. And she filled our home with a lot, a lot of noise, laughter, uh, a lot of really good things. Soon after we got her, S Savannah didn't quite know how to, to handle me. Um, she had never had a male caregiver, so she was very reserved around me. Uh, but being such a gregarious and loving little girl, um, after a few weeks, um, she began to understand the concept for the very first time of what, it, what, it, what a daddy was. I was putting her to bed one night, um, and she was still calling me John at the time. And uh, she, I got done reading her books. We were uh, listening to, to some songs. And she looked at me and said, John, will you be my daddy? And I said, I will always be your daddy. And uh, from that moment on, I was, I was locked in. So Savannah lived in our home for two years. And every day, we didn't know if she was going to live in our home for forever. Uh, it was very confusing for all of us. Uh, every court date, every review of the case, every time we would talk to the caseworkers, uh, we didn't know. You, you just don't know if that child is going to ever be free for adoption or if that child is going to go back to another family member. And it's agonizing. It's absolutely agonizing. Um, so for two years, we lived in this space of just not knowing and hoping and wishing and praying and wanting so bad for our foster daughter to become our daughter. And then finally, one day, we get our phone call. So the phone rang to me. Um, on the other end was Savannah's attorney. And he informed me that the judge had ruled that morning that she was going to be available for us to adopt. And uh, I was down in the basement and I ran upstairs and uh, told Natalie. And uh, wow, the weight that felt lifted from our lives and our home and our family was, uh, was so freeing. And uh, we were so excited. So the, the adoption day finally came. 
uh, first week of October. And uh, we were all arrived as a, as a family to the courthouse. And I had never been in a courtroom for this reason and did not know what to expect. And uh, uh, what was so amazing and heartwarming is how many people showed up and uh, were, were there to experience it with us. And then uh, since we're all navigating this wonderful thing called COVID together, uh, there were many, many, many people uh, that were able to join virtually online. In fact, the judge said collectively it may have been the most people she had ever seen join. And uh, um, it was incredibly special. As we look back on this journey, uh, our hearts are filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. Uh, we're thankful to God for giving us the strength that we clearly did not have on our own uh, to endure this journey. We're thankful for this blessing of this sweet girl that will forever be a part of our family. And we are eternally grateful for the friends and the family that stepped into our lives and held us up when we couldn't even hold ourselves up. We will be forever indebted to them for that. Pursuant to the authority vested in me by the state of Colorado, it is now hereby stated that Savannah Elise McGookin is a child of John Micah McGookin, Natalie Holiday McGookin, and further, that said child is a member of this family with all the rights and responsibilities attached thereto. With congratulations, best wishes on your adoption day. And now they have the easy task of just raising her. <laughs> so foster care and adoption are two things that we promote here quite regularly at Cornerstone. We have lots of stories we could have shared. But what an amazing story that is. So what's your story that you'd like to share? And um, here's what we're going to do. You can come down on either side and just wait uh, until the person that's finished here is done, and then you can just go back the same way, same way aisle that you came. Uh, wear your mask coming down, and then once you get up here on the platform to talk, just drop it down, and so we can hear what it is that you actually have to say. And it always is difficult to get that first person to prime the pump. So, um, oh, it's not difficult at all. And any others, again, just come on down on the sides and be ready to be the next. That's a really tough story to follow. But um, I've been thinking about this since I saw the email about Thankful Sunday. And I have a kind of a strange thing that I'm thankful about that not for COVID, but in COVID. So I'm a therapist and I thought, oh gosh, we're going to Zoom and it's going to be so weird and this will not work. And what I'm thankful for is that the Zoom, the virtual meetings with clients are actually just as good and sometimes better. And so a lot of people are still getting help, if not more people, by virtual counseling. And um, what's sweet about it, <laughs> just this week, is something wonderful always happens. You know, somebody's in their home and their kitty crawls up on their lap. Or a cute gal I have who's an artist, you know, and she's showing me her art. And even though, you know, again, we're not in person, there's things that I'm learning about my clients that I wouldn't, wouldn't learn in the office. And um, since we've, I've returned to like one and a half days in person, a lot of people are sticking with Zoom. So in the long run, or whatever kind of format, um, more people are getting helped 
and I can see more clients. And then just another little PS on that. I think the um, barrier to people asking for help has gone down. So in spite of all the challenges we've had, the loneliness and depression and anxiety and everything, more people are asking for help and that's a blessing. And I think I'm, I'm, I am almost full as most therapists in Boulder are. I've been approached by headhunters to do more therapy for their businesses. And I, I consider that a blessing because it takes a lot of courage for people to ask for help. So those are two things I'm thankful for in COVID. I'm going to stick with the one I was thinking about when I walked up because Jean reminded me my mom died the summer at 97. I've got stories about that that are just lovely if anybody wants to sit down and talk to me about. But since we have other people coming up, um, the thing I was thinking about talking about um, is my experience with cancer. Uh, many of you may know that I was diagnosed with cancer in January because Aaron announced it from the stage. <laughs> Um, so I was diagnosed with prostate cancer in January, had surgery in March, I continued to be cancer-free, and that's kind of like one of those Hawaii stories that's really easy to be thankful for. Um, but as I've processed this and going through the year and coming up with Thanksgiving, what I realized is that what I'm really thankful for is what I learned about my relationship with God and what God has done in me over the years that took me through that experience. During the three months between being diagnosed and kind of knowing what the outcome was going to be like, um, it's not like I didn't struggle at all, I mean, to be, I mean, human. But what I found was I kind of equate being thankful in things with this having this sense of deep joy um, that kind of goes past understanding. And what I experienced, knowing that I was diagnosed and not knowing what was gonna happen, was this sense of peace and joy. And realizing that God, living with God and walking with God, put me in a spot where I was actually okay, saying, all right, if this is what I'm gonna go through, I don't have any relationships I need to repair. I don't really have any apologies I need to make. I have a wonderful set of friends and family. I can give everybody a hug and move on. What an awesome place to be. Um, and so I'm incredibly thankful for what God has done in my life and that we all have this resource of joy through his spirit. And that continues with me, and it's not like we don't have struggles. I have other things I can list that are challenges. And I put myself back in that position now and say, no, it's okay. Um, God is in charge, and I'm in God, and everything is good. By the way, we love hearing from kids too. So if you want to come down here and have the courage, come on down.
Yeah, so my name's Matt, this is my wife Karen. Um, yeah, I'm grieving right now, but just reminded of the Lord's goodness. Um, so just wanna say how grateful I am for the, the children's ministry here. Uh, grateful for, for Carrie, Aubrey, Amy, and uh, many of the other volunteers who have mentored my children. Um, a few weeks ago, a uh, childhood uh, friend, family friend, uh, passed away with COVID. Uh, he had some uh, complications, muscular dystrophy. And uh, at the same time, uh, his father was in the hospital fighting for his life. And we um, had, a, had a prayer uh, time, uh, and the Lord just put on my heart to bring my daughter with me, my seven-year-old daughter. And the Lord has certainly been uh, teaching her um, how to interact with the Spirit, um, how to pray. Uh, in, in here, in a room of 100 people, the voice of a child. The Lord uses the voice of a child just to, to share his goodness. And um, Grayson said, you know, Lord, heal Mr. Sam's body, bring him home. Bring him home, his family needs him. Three times she spoke that prayer and I'm just so grateful for, for you know, the Lord um, just speaking even in the voice of a child. Um, so thank you for uh, Cornerstone. It's just, it's amazing uh, um, the, the, the council and the uh, mentorship we have here uh, in our children's lives. And so it's just, yeah, so grateful for that. Thank you. My name's Maritza Follett, and that's my husband, Mark, over there. And the story is about him and us. Um, I'm a physician. I work in the hospital. I've been seeing a lot of COVID. That's my backstory. In the past year, we've lost my father in February, and then June, we lost my nephew to a drug overdose. In July, my husband and my daughter and I flew to Alaska for what was supposed to be the trip of a lifetime. We had a day before we were supposed to depart via small float plane and go backpacking in the Arctic Circle. So that day we decided to go to Nali National Park for a hike. While we were there, my husband suffered a heart attack and collapsed. Um, I kind of figured out what was going on. We were able to get him to the entrance of the park where we were met by a fully staffed ambulance. I asked him to do an EKG and sure enough, he had a heart attack. They whisked him to Fairbanks, um, and I remember sitting on a rock after the ambulance left and sobbing. My daughter, who's 24, was with us. We drove behind the ambulance, and well, actually, they were much faster than us because we had to obey traffic laws. And um, during that time, I texted everyone and anyone I could asking for prayers, including our life group. And um, I just, it was, I can't even remember, two hours, three hours to Fairbanks. And as a physician, I know that time is heart. 
And I just remember praying, get him there, get him there without anything else happening. And so all these texts came flooding in intermittently as we would get and lose cell service of people praying for us. We got, I called in a friend who was a physician and asked her to clear the way at the hospital in case we had to fly him out to Anchorage if they didn't have specialists there, but they did, thankfully. Um, we got there, things went like clockwork, and before they took him into the heart lab, I prayed over him. And he's fine. Um, he is a pilot, so he's grounded. He's not happy about that, but he's working on that. But um, even still, I'm shaking up here when I tell the story. Um, as we drove those three hours and all those texts came in and people started calling and saying, we're sending prayers. I'm so grateful. And our lives, you know, it was a trip of a lifetime. It was not a vacation of a lifetime. It was definitely a trip of a lifetime. But I'm so grateful for all the people who prayed for him and who still come up to us and say, so glad you're here. And I'm like, thank you, God, we are here. It's always great, by the way, come on up. It's always great having a doctor in our services. I remember one day I shared that my eye went blurry. You remember this? Uh, I woke up and my right eye was blurry. It's still giving me problems, by the way. But Marisa thought, oh my gosh, she could be having a stroke, because that's sometimes that it, and wanted to call 911 and bring the ambulance in here. We said, well, let's just wait and see. So. I love you that you care for me that way. And I have seen her so many times, or at least heard about her visiting people at Good Samaritan. Are you still there at Good Samaritan? St. Joe's. St. Joe's. Um, caring for some of our people. Okay, I had to get that in there because I'm thankful. Okay, you want to hold it and you say your name first? So my name is Malachi, and one time when I was in um, Crested Butte, um, when I was going across the sidewalk, um, a bike ran over me, and, and then I had to get the police. And, and I'm happy that the police um, got me, and um, that my knee is healing better. But I had a big bleeding. Um, out here on my hip, so, um... What are you thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for that Jesus saved me from dying. Do you want to share? Okay. Um, my name is Maggie, and... I'm thankful because my granddad had a stroke, um, so he had to go down to the hospital, but um, he got to come back home because he got good care. All right, we, got, we have time for at least a couple more, or one more. That beating that you feel in your chest, that we like to call that the Holy Spirit, is saying, come on down. First of all, thanks for getting the mic stand for the big and tall guy. 
Um, He's still taller than me on the stand. <laughs> yeah, so. it's getting close. Uh, Gene, thanks. Um, these are powerful stories, you know, and um, and thank you for sharing. You know, really um, being thankful in and thankful for. It. And my name's Greg Howard, by the way, and I'm the other half of Mary Happily. And um, there's, um, I go back and forth, Gene, between mournfulness and gratitude. And that, what you talked about, that's in First Thessalonians, about being grateful in, is going to really help. So, for instance, um, I, I mourn um, the aging of my body, as many of you all do, because I've commiserated with so many out there. And... Um, from knees to hips to back tomorrow, I go in for a heart operation to, to uh, electrify and, and burn some uh, submission into my valves. But in that, so in that morning, I am grateful because I know I can see the end point to that, um, that it will get fixed and very hopeful for that with God's hand. But after that, then the orthopedic doctors will allow me to get my hip replaced, and then therefore I can get my back fixed. So I'm grateful for all of that inside all this morning of my brokenness, physical. Uh, there's a couple other things that are important when I, that I want to share with you. When at 64, I feel like I go back to the parable of the talents, you know, and that magical talent that was, that was given to me at birth and wanting so much to turn it into three talents. And I feel like at this point, I've maybe got one and three quarters so far. Mm. And that weighs heavily on me. But the hope in there and the gratitude in that hope is that it's not too late. When, I, when my father died about 10 years ago, uh, I wrote his eulogy for him. And I, as I was going through his history, I realized in the last 10 years of his life, how much he had done out there for the community, for the family, and for others, and his church, and, and uh, other areas. And so that gives me hope that it's still not over, so it's never too late. We hear that here up front here quite often, so I'm grateful for that. And the last thing is, in all this, in all this brokenness and the pain and, and all the suffering that I go through physically, there's ultimately gratitude going on all that I feel all around me. We just married off two of our sons this summer and these two new additions to our family we love them mary and i do immensely and for some crazy reason i get the feeling that those two love their father-in-law as well so for that i'm eternally grateful and uh, so thank you all And don't worry, Greg, because with AI, eventually they'll replace all of you. So. My name is Isaiah, and I'm just wanting to say that I'm thankful that I'm not dead because I've been in a very bad car accident. Well, I'm thankful for all of you that make this such a wonderful community. 
that so many of you share your lives to the degree that it invites us in to be part of your life. And it's not just about sitting here for an hour and a half and staring forward. It's, it's about sharing our lives together. The good, the bad, the ugly. Thankfulness sometimes is a process, right? You may not be thankful for something in the moment. But through a community like this, through relationships, loving relationships, and through your faith in God, we can get to a place where we can share stories like this. So thank you very much.